Hello, and welcome to Pep Talk by Perpetual. We are a talent advisory firm based out of New York City and Paris. The podcast you're about to hear is all about raw conversation with real people. My name is Duke Maines. I'm a partner at Perpetual, and I'm delighted to welcome today my friend and colleague, Robert Vale, the head of innovation for Boston Beer Company. Hey, Robert. Hey, Duke. Uh, Robert, if you had a superpower, what superpower would it be and why? Um, I don't know if it'd actually be a superpower, but it'd be something that I've always would desire to do and uh, be is a rock star um, at a major festival with 50,000 people out there screaming and singing along with me uh, and having a great time all together, um, enjoying beverages, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying themselves and me rocking along, making them as happy and smiley as possible. That would be one of my greatest things I could ever imagine doing in my life. Sounds fantastic. Would you be the, you're saying you would be the, uh, the singer in this case, the vocalist? Yeah, I mean, if I were to come back as anyone, um, one of my top 10 people to come back would be, definitely would be Mick Jagger. Um, <laughs> and what a life the man has had. I think in many ways he's uh, stood up well as a rock star, um, still at this day, 77 years old, just has a, just had a new baby, a four-year-old baby and a new wife and uh, living the dream uh, and, and as healthy as can be and supposedly going back on the road next year and, and to do his thing. So what a life and uh, what an amazing power to have to stand up in front of 50 to 75,000 people um, and command their attention and their love. Nothing wrong with that at all. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Now, how about if you were an animal? What kind of animal would you be, and why? You know, it's interesting I ask that question because I, I would have said something before uh, going on a trip. I was lucky enough two and a half years ago to go to Africa and go on safari. Um, and what I learned during that safari was I thought the lion was the king of the jungle, but it is actually the elephant. The elephant is just unbelievable. Um, nothing gets in their way. To watch a herd of elephants come at you, trees, they just knock them over. They really have no worries whatsoever, um, except for making sure that their young are protected. But usually they're in large herds. And I, I love that that they're very family oriented, very caring about their young, but also they are the command uh, of the jungle. And, and uh, really no one um, can take over them. And it, it was, we were out lucky enough to have a breakfast one morning um, in the middle of um, this beautiful area uh, that came out of nowhere. We drove up and all of a sudden these guys had set up this amazing breakfast for us. And about 20 minutes into it, we had to pull everything up and get the hell out of there because there was a massive herd of elephants coming right towards us. And the guides were like, we can't stop them. There's like nothing we can do. We got to get out of here because they'll just take over the whole place and just run it right over. Um, and you can just watch this path of destruction behind them as they wander through. That's crazy, Robert. And and it's, you know, it's these kind of fresh perspectives and takes on these questions that sort of uh, suggest why we have you as a guest, because I think you're, you bring a lot of a different perspective. So, uh, Robert, tell I mean, tell us a little bit about you and, and who you are. So I've been lucky enough to be uh, with Boston Beer Company for the last 30 years. And it has been an amazing ride to watch a small company 
hold really what they why I went there in the beginning was about high quality products and to develop amazing relationships with our customers. Um, and we've continued, I think, to do both those things over the 30 years that I have been there in every way, shape and form to taking Grim Jim Cook's great, great grandfather's recipe for Sam Adams Boston Lager and being true, as I like to call, being true to the plant. And in most cases, almost every product that we've made, we've been true to the plant of where it has come from. And holding that up and also thinking about every way, shape and form, how we can do it better, um, how we can get the freshest, highest quality product that we're making to our wholesalers and then ultimately to our customers, our consumers. And we've held that same thought throughout. And I think it's one of the reasons we've been so successful over those 30 years is holding true to that integrity of the plant um, and to the product and, and being very consumer centric of both our wholesalers and consumers. And so, Robert, you identify personally with this purpose behind uh, the way Boston Beer operates, it sounds like. Yeah, and in every way, it actually makes it easy in some ways to have a footing into something that is a true belief because then any new category we take on, we have that as our kind of foothold of what we're going to do if we're going to start something new to be that integrity of the product and if ultimately to the plant that hopefully it derives from. Yeah, very fair. Thank you. That makes that makes sense. Hey, Robert, so like you're, you're now the head of innovation for Boston Beer. And of course, Boston Beer is known for doing that quite well. So, I mean, congratulations to you and, and the organization for all the success, you know, behind things like Twisted Tea and Angry Orchard and, and now Truly. And certainly, of course, not to, you know, not to uh, leave out all the great beers that you guys produce. What's been your role? You're part of that. How did you build up to this, this stage in your career? You know, I started as a salesperson. We didn't have that many people when I started. I think there was like 17 or 20 people in the company at the time when I started, um, along with you at that time, Duke, 30 something years ago. And it was, um, to me, is it, it, it's a way that we stayed to the streets. And I think that to me is the most important part to anything that I've ever learned is that nothing happens behind a desk and that most things occur of talking to human beings, being in stores, uh, both restaurants, liquor stores, grocery stores, and seeing complete categories, and then talking to consumers. Um, and not so much always, in, especially in the beginning, we never did focus groups or any of those kinds of things. It was, okay, there, I see somebody pulling something from a cooler, I'm going to go over and talk to them. And or being in bars and sitting next to somebody and having a conversation about what they're drinking and what's going on to really kind of get the pulse of what's next. And to my ultimate desire is always to figure out how do I not skate to where the puck is, but to where it's going to. And we've been successful to be able to kind of bounce that way and then um, find small areas that maybe are too small for the big companies to go after, um, but big enough to make a difference for us. Um, that definitely happened both with Twisted Tea and with Angry Orchard. And then truly, who would have ever guessed where that has been? I mean, we're, we're thinking that the seltzer category is gonna be over almost 7% of the beer business in 2021. So obviously the big guys are looking at that. And we've never really had a mega brand and now we're starting to look at mega brands and it's a, a new way of thinking of how you um, exploit 
um, and build on mega brands. Yeah, no, no, interesting, Robert. I, I've detected something about you. You know, you're, you're very personal, and and every time I, I try to get you to talk about yourself, you naturally expand to talk about Boston Beer and all the great things that that the company's doing. Of course, which you're a significant part of. But that says a lot about who you are as a person as well. So I have to sort of try to get you to talk a little bit more about your path and your contributions to that. Because you started in sales, right? And now you're in marketing. You know, what? Maybe, maybe the story is around that transition you've made. And part of it is probably what you're just saying, your, your natural inquisitiveness, perhaps. Yeah, and it's actually, we did a, a little internal TED Talk um, two weeks ago, and I was the person that was being interviewed for it. And one of the revelations that came out, and I've always been very open about this, um, of where um, sometimes inabilities help you to have better abilities. Um, and my inability was growing up as a kid, you know, I'm 56 years old, and a long time ago when I grew up, um, I had dyslexia, and nobody really knew. Um, it wasn't until basically I was like in sixth or seventh grade that they figured out what I had, and at that grade level, I was be able to kind of maneuver my way through, but really had a reading level of a second or third grader at seventh grade. So once we kind of identified what it was, and still we don't have it yet back then, had nothing at the levels of education to it, but I did find this amazing woman, her name was Mrs. Guiney, um, who then became my tutor to help me get through everything. But I think what is what that did for me was, is gave me the ability to tack, to, Nothing was ever easy for me, so I couldn't just straightforward go through it. I had to kind of go always figure out ways to go around things. And that ability to kind of see around corners or to maneuver, because if I went straight through it and had to learn it directly, I wasn't going to do it because I had this inability to be able to do that, especially when it came to languages. And it gave me something deep down inside of me, I think, that has helped me in, in my career you know, when I first started out of school, I opened up a bunch of restaurants and I could communicate with people and I was very good with having relationships, but I also had this creative side of food and beverages that I loved to then present to people and see them get excited about what we were doing and enjoying themselves. And that part, I think that ability to kind of maneuver and see around things has given me uh, a difference. And, and there was, you know, all good things in life come from hard things. Uh, there's nothing in most cases, unless you're very, very lucky um, in life, nothing ever comes easy in life. And, and that hardness that I had gave me a new ability. And, and I think it's, you know, it, when you are down a sense or other senses kind of build up around you. So that to me was probably one of the greatest things that has occurred to me uh, in my success. And it also has figured out what I'm not good at and I try to avoid those things as much as possible and surround me with people that can do that extremely well. And I'll be quite open and honest with them about what my weaknesses are. But I have some very good powers to see things and, and try to exploit those as much as possible. That's great, Robert. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I, I actually had forgotten that about you, um, but I, I did know that. And uh, it's just interesting because, I mean, I, it made me think of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, where he talks about the exact thing you just described, and you're the living, breathing uh, example of that, aren't you? That's that's awesome. Yeah, no, interesting. And I guess as you look at you know leveraging that that you know power you have to see around corners and 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 look at things differently, 
What's the best example in your career of something that you created, you know, or, or helped uh, build at uh, Boston Beer Company? I think, um, I guess my, you know, there's a bunch of different things and there's two biggest areas. One was already, I didn't start it and didn't come up with the idea, but I, I believe I was a big contributor of building, is Twisted Tea. And w when we started Twisted Tea, we, we th wanted to do something that was a little bit better than what was Mike's Lemonade at the time. Mike's was out and doing really well and continued to this day an amazing product. But we wanted to do something that was Boston Beer Company, meaning something that was a little bit more higher end. And we thought uh, a beautiful iced tea made with amazing teas. And, and we went out talking about the high quality of our teas and how we um, used um, we didn't use any powder. We used whole leaves. Uh, come to find out, um, we did all those things because it was our passion to think about beer and then try to do that inside of um, an iced tea. But consumers, when it comes to iced tea, don't give two craps about that stuff. They just want it to taste good. So when we were describing the essence of the teas and all those kinds of things, you know, these the guys who then came who it was, like said no. And we thought we were actually going to be a little bit more on the feminine female side with the products and comes to turn out when it's like everything else, you sit in a room in an office, you put all these things together and then you put it out into the marketplace and the real work happens when it goes out in the marketplace. And the thing that came about was two things, Maine and Montana were this shining lights for Twisted Tea. So I got on a plane and, and tried to figure out what was going on. And the three things um, were exactly the same in Maine and Montana. One, you had a whole bunch of 35-year-old blue-collar guys that work with their hands um, in industries that they can make good money. And in Maine, that was paper mills. And in Montana, it was mining. The second thing was these guys wanted something. They loved uh, domestic beers, and they would pick up a rack of domestic beer on their way home. But they didn't really love beer. They drank Miller Lights, not like we were drinking Sierra Nevada or Sam Adams. They were drinking Miller Lite Bud Light. Um, but when they were there during the day at these mines, um, either at the mine or at paper mills, they always drank non-alcoholic iced tea because it gave them a boost um, and made them feel good. Um, and then they found Twisted Tea. Uh, and um, how they found it was um, both Maine and Montana also have a great deal of sea stores. So these guys have this kind of route that I followed them on that they have the same path every day. They wake up early in the morning. They jump into their Ford F-150. They go to their local convenience stores. They get one of those giant jugs of coffee that's like 32 ounces um, filled with sugar and cream. Um, and they get a cherry Danish. And on their way out, they get a half gallon or a gallon of non-alcohol iced tea and they go to their job site. And these guys work their asses off all day long. And then on their way home, They've just beat their bodies up. They want to get a 12-pack of Miller Lite, Bud Light, Coors Light. Um, and what, but they find is Twisted Tea. And they start with a 24-ounce can and moved on from that point forward. So we found these blue-collar guys that work with their hands, that have massive amounts of disposable income, um, and they became who our drinker was. And this, the simplest part to who these drinkers were is, our guys um, didn't wake up in the morning and go into the closet and put on a suit. Um, they decided how much camo are they going to put on? Are they going to put on a camo shirt, camo hat, camo pants? Um, that was their layer of what they were. And the other part to it is 
the nicest human beings I've ever dealt with. And that's how we also um, moved into biking um, and the biking uh, community with doing um, events at biker events across the United States in Daytona, Sturgis, New Hampshire, and uh, across the United States. So um, watching Twisted Tea, growing that and finding these elements of who the core customer was and then finding that core customer and then doing that over and over again, state by state across the United States and slowly built this brand up. It was that insight of who the customer uh, why they were drinking it, and then taking that ability to see who they are and bring them a product and then just keep designing um, the events around the product to who they are. No, that's that's great, Robert. You know, I, and I love your observation about how the best laid plans, right? You know, <laughs> once, they, once you get out into the market and they actually talk to consumers, they have a chance to interact with it, you, you find something completely different, right? Yeah, you'll time, always. Yeah, time and time again. How about your career, Robert, when you think about uh, maybe, you know, because you, you, you had a lot of different uh, shifts in your career at Boston Beer Company. You know, as you think about that, what were some of the critical incidences or, or moments that really shaped who you are today? I think the luck of being in a company that has been able to take advantage of my strengths and, and where I was um, good at and then also knowing my desire to do different things and not be stuck at one thing. I don't think I really have had a job for more over 30 years for one single job for more than four or five years ever during that time period. So it was both um, working with people inside the company and also myself of where I would want to go and trying to describe where that strength is and then kind of putting myself in a little bit into it and then building more and building more and building more. It was a scary thing for me to move outside of sales and into the quote unquote um, marketing side of things because um, it's not, you know, I don't have um, a whole standard of, of understanding marketing. I understand sales, but true great marketers, I think, ultimately are amazing salespeople because um, it's about knowing um, the customer um, and, and bringing a product that is right for the customer and a salesperson knows what that is. So, it was a great way for me to learn and do a bunch of different things, but to have this attribute of um, knowing that the streets and the stores and the consumers are the most important thing, not just sitting around and thinking you could do different things. I think what's interesting to me to watch building brands and how you build a brand versus a, um, I would build a brand versus watching some folks um, over the years mainly outside of Boston Beer Company, but who have come with a quote-unquote MBA in marketing and they get a hold of a brand and the first thing they want to do is, what are we going to do for advertising? What are we going to do for uh, our social media? And I'm like, the most important part is, how are you going to get it to the retailer? How are you going to get so the consumer actually sees it and pulls it off the shelf? Because if they're not in the store, if it's not in the store and it's not recognizable, all those other things mean nothing. It has to be in the store and available for them to be able to push um, it out the store. And it, it makes me laugh sometimes because to really do those things, you need to go out once it's in the marketplace to see what is occurring and where, where some people are actually picking it up and doing certain, certain things with it. One of my favorites of that is um, when I started Angry Orchard. We really, there it was 
way before really social media was just kind of starting when we had Angry Orchard. And every night I would go home and look um, at Twitter because that was really kind of one of the first things that was going on about what people were doing. And all of a sudden I started finding in the pack Northwest, people were taking Angry Orchard with Fireball Whiskey and putting these two things together. And I, I didn't even know at the time um, it was, this was before the craze of Fireball hit. But who wouldn't put Fireball Whiskey and Angry Orchard together because apples and cinnamon? I mean, it's like two, yeah. is, we're, we're right there with peanut butter and jelly right there. And, yeah. you know, and uh, it doesn't get much better than that. So we then does, did a whole program around Angry Balls of on-premise driving draft lines and then promoting a drink along with Angry Orchard on draft because you wanted it on draft so that you could drop a shot of fireball in or uh, put a shot of fireball into it. And you had this amazing cocktail, which still to this day is one of my favorite and simple. That's the beauty of it because on-premise bartenders in most cases on don't want to have things that are very complicated. Um, they want things that are simple. Um, there obviously is cocktail bars where people would love that, but in everyday life up and down the street in mass appeal, you need simplicity. And it doesn't get much more simple than to take Angry Orchard and, and a shot of Fireball and put them together. And then everyone, when you say the word Angry Balls, it always puts a smile on people's faces. Yeah, of course. Mine as well. <laughs> and, and it's interesting. As you tell your story, Robert, it's um, you know about the kinds of things that shaped you, right? You, earlier in, the, in this conversation, you talked about Boston Beer, what the company stands for, the purpose, and how that resonates with you. And then as you talked about your different roles throughout the organization – it was about putting, you know, taking advantage of your strengths and putting yourself in a position to leverage those to be successful, right? And it sounds like, if I hear you correctly, it's that flexibility that the company's provided and allowed you to, to be yourself that's contributed to a lot of the success you've seen. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of wonderful things about working for Jim Cook. And from the beginning, the guy, you know, as simple as it was, to look at that he could not believe most companies didn't have more women working for them. Um, he's like, this is just unbelievable uh, that they're not. And we had uh, a sales department that was almost always has been close to 50-50 females to males. And, and she was like, these women are, they're unbelievable. Why do not have women in their organizations? It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and some of the most amazing human beings that's ever worked for us um, have been, you know, you almost sound weird for saying this, but I have been women and, and it, right from the beginning. And we were an oddity at that time to think, you know, it's the beer business. You got to have dudes working in the beer business. Right. Um, we had these motivated, intelligent, hardworking, wonderful human beings. One of they happened to be women, but who cared? It, it, it was it was great to be able to do. And I think him seeing that flexibility and seeing how to take the opportunity of at any corner he possibly could and to develop and, and being open. And we're still to this day are as open about those things as possible uh, and trying to be as diverse as we possibly can as an organization. We're okay, but we're putting a big push now in the future to be even more along those lines.
Well, thank Robert. This has been a great, uh, great raw conversation. I really appreciate you taking a bit of time to share some of your story with us. Thanks, Duke. This has been Pep Talk uh, by Perpetual, and uh, I'd like to thank again my my friend and colleague Robert Vale.